Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. I am your host, and thank you all for coming back. I appreciate you not being too upset with me for taking a little bit of a hiatus last week. Um, that might happen from time to time with work and other life things that pop up. So again, I really appreciate your patience and your support. You all have been great. We saw a big jump in numbers last month and um, that's really exciting to see that people are are listening in and are finding value in this. So with that, this week we have Rashida Gale and she's a little bit uh, newer in her career than some of the other guests we've had. So she provides a really interesting perspective. I hope you enjoy it. Today, I have Rashida Gale, who is the Director of Talent Marketing for TLA Worldwide. Uh, TLA was, I believe, started by one of uh, my alumni friends, um, and um, he thankfully put me in touch with Rashida. Um, she was with RG Management Agency as Director of Marketing and Client Services prior to TLA. And is an FSU alum, which means that we have some uh, people in common down here. Um, and she was a poli sci and women's studies major, which is really interesting to me. Um, one of the, her clients is Devonte Freeman. And welcome to the podcast, Rashida. Thank you for having me. I'm you are excited. so welcome. Um, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, so I'm glad that we, we finally could. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, I like to start the podcast by asking, uh, how did you fall in love with sports? That's a great question. So uh, growing up, I actually grew up in Kingston, Jamaica. That's where I was born. Uh, and my family, well, my father has always been into sports, but not your typical American sports. He was into track and field, soccer and horse racing. So I grew up in that environment. Um, and when I came to the States, uh, in high school, I came to the States when I was around seven years old. But when I was in high school, funny enough, I was talking to a guy. There was a guy in school that I liked and he was a football <laughs> player. And he said, hey, Rashida, you should be our water girl. So I was like, what's that? And he just <laughs> basically explained exactly what I'd be doing. I'd work with the trainer. I'd be hands on with the coach. So I'm like, OK, that's super cool. I'm totally down to do that. Uh, the school that I attended wasn't a big school. Uh, they have it uh, as like 1A, 2A, 3A in Florida, as high as 6A. So the school we attended was a 2A school, which had about 2,000 students. So the football team wasn't a great team, but it was really good exposure for me. Um, and that's how I fell in love with the sport football. I've always been a basketball fan, um, always been a track and field and soccer girl, but that's kind of how I got started in football. High school, I did all four years of uh, all of my four years. I was water girl or football manager to make it fancier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got about I. I submitted about 700 hours worth of volunteer service. Um, 
So I got wow. like a silver award for that leaving high school. So that's how I got started with football specifically. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, do you are you still in contact with that with that guy? Funny enough, I am. <laughs> He's a really good friend of mine. We never ended up dating. He ended up going to another school. Um, but yeah, he's still an awesome person. He's a great guy. And little does he know he introduced me to this whole thing. I should let him know that. I never you really told him. should. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and really cool that they let you do that. I know quite a few schools that would have some concern with that. Maybe not so much now, maybe when I was in high school. Um, but I do also remember threatening when I was in high school to try out for the team. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. I was surprised they let me do it. But I think after the first year, I did a good enough job to continue into the second year. And then they got really comfortable with me. Uh, I used to go to combines like Fort Lauderdale combines where all the schools would go to this one stadium called Lockhart Stadium. And they would do all these drills similar to the NFL combine um, to record their like height, weight, stats, et cetera, for college. So I really got into not just the sport, but the height, the weight, like the recruiting part of it. Uh, And so that goes on into college. I don't know if you have questions when I get to college yet, but I got all types of stories. So, (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I I was going to ask about your majors, but let's go into that. You know what? I'm guessing you worked with the team when you were in college too. So no, that's it's it's different in college. Apparently, Look at you tricking me. <laughs> in college, you literally have to be legitimate, which means you have to be majoring in that field. Um, it's medicine. It's like physical therapy that kind of thing. So that's not what I wanted to do when I got to college. Funny enough, when I first got to college, I was thinking, okay, I want to be a gynecologist. I'm going to do biology as my major and women's studies as my minor. This Uh, is a very different career. Yeah. So different. So I got to organic chem. I was like, okay, I'm not enjoying this. Like this is not what I'm enjoying. And I went to Florida state university at the time Uh, When I entered school, Bobby Bowden was just leaving. So it was still it was still big in football, but we were in a era where I guess they were trying to find themselves. So um, Jimbo came in. Everyone was super excited for Jimbo Fisher. Um, And I was having more fun living the college life and the sports life and going to games, basketball games, volleyball games than I was being in science classes. So I was halfway done with my credits for biology and most of my credits were completed for women's studies. And in the middle of it, I just decided I wanted to switch majors. I enjoyed women's studies. Since I've been a little girl, I've always wanted to work with young teenage girls like who have kids early. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where that passion went to, but it was this big passion of mine when I was a teenager. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep the women's studies. because I really enjoy this topic and I'm going to go into sports management. So I went to the advisor to try to switch my major. And he informed me that because I'd completed so many of my biology hours, I wouldn't be able to switch to sports management and pay 
in-state fees. I would start paying out-of-state fees after you pass. I think it's between like 120 or 140 hours. You start paying out-of-state fees. So I was like, okay, that's not an option. So he gave me a list of, uh, a list of degree, like majors that I could choose. And I just chose political science because I was like, well, maybe I'll go into law. Like I literally did not know what I was doing (laughs) in college, but I started working in the marketing office when I was a junior early, my, my, right at the beginning of my junior year. Um, I got an opportunity to work the front desk in athletics, sports marketing, and that's where my career took off. So the first year I hated my job. I wanted to mingle with everyone, talk to everyone and just like have fun and be in the hype. The second year I was like, this is such an awesome opportunity. Like I need to take it seriously. So I started interning as well as being in the office. Um, I interned with the marketing, uh, the marketing office off the field or I guess out, out the office. And I also interned with IMG, which marketing and promotions worked with IMG college because IMG college is based at our school as well. So I did a corporate hospitality with IMG college. And that's kind of how I got started in marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did that for three years. And in the last year, uh, I decided I wanted to work with athletes. I've always wanted to work with athletes. I just didn't know what path or direction to go in. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated, especially when you're when you're in college to kind of figure out what you want to do, especially as a woman, because you're like, okay, I want to be an agent or that's the closest thing that I want to be. But you realize that it's not roses. Well, it is roses with hella thorns. <laughs> it's not easy. It's a so, really good way to put it. Yeah, like it's it looks so pretty. But to get to that rose, I mean, it's cuts and bruises all the way. So I knew I didn't want to be a part of that whole agent lifestyle. Um, I didn't know that there was something called a marketing agent at the time. So I just thought I would do player development or player services, something in that category. Uh, And when I graduated, we'd won the national championship. I had a friend, James Wilder, who was a five-star coming into Florida State. He played running back. So I asked him if I could just be his assistant for free and kind of, you know, learn what it's like to go through that draft process and create a brand for him. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for about eight months. I moved to Atlanta when I graduated. I decided I was still going to work in sports. I was looking for a job. I was doing all these free internships, but I had so much experience from Florida State that it just didn't make sense. So I started my own company uh, and I picked up Devonte Freeman and started doing his marketing. When I started to do his marketing, he was not the Pro Bowl Devontae Freeman that he is now. We both started <laughs> from the bottom, which is what you'd call it. <laughs> so uh, we just worked really well together. James was bouncing around to different teams, so we weren't able to get an established market um, for him or build something that would last in that city. So that's like, I just went on a rampant, <laughs> but that's kind of no. what happened. No, that's good. Um, So for people who are listening, let's back up a little bit to you. um, You alluded to there being a difference between being an agent and being a marketing agent. 
So can you talk about, you know, what the differences are with those roles and, um, you know, what you would have needed to do if you wanted to go the other way? So specifically in the NFL, when you're an NFL agent, you have to either have your a graduate degree or a law degree. Most agents have a law degree because they're doing contracts. So it's a, it's really complicated when you get into doing second contracts, not for rookie contracts. Rookie contracts are really easy. You just fill it in. But the second contract, if you're lucky to get a player who's going to get a second contract, um, it's a lot more complicated. So agents are just primarily responsible for the money that an athlete makes on the field. Whereas a marketing agent is responsible for the money that an athlete makes off the field. And that includes endorsements, appearances, any monies that can come from his brand on the field. Okay. And um, they're not always within the same company? No. So that's the beauty of being a marketing agent. You have boutique agents, you have one-off agents, you have big-time agents who are with big-time companies. So, for example, you have your Team Wasp, your IMG, your Octagon. Then you have, like, your smaller boutique agencies with maybe two or three big agents um, that do most of the recruiting. They have their runners, et cetera. And then you have agents that have a lucky, like, have one-star player, um, and they only have that one big player. So. Agents are always looking for help from people they trust. You don't want an agent to feel threatened. Um, so agents will share their athletes only if you stay in your lane, really. Like, and that's just the industry we're in. It's just like marketing contacts. If I give you my marketing contact, I have to trust you with that contact because that's really my intellectual property. So I'm not going to give away all my contacts to the agent. The agent's not going to give all their relationships to me. So how it works really is the agent or the client is in need of marketing. The agent may have a lot on their plate or if they're just not familiar with marketing and soliciting deals or cold calling or building those type of relationships to secure monies off the field, which is where I come in. I either recruit my own athlete or I recruit athletes through agents or you're recommended through maybe like a corporation or a friend, a parent, et cetera. Um, so it's two totally different things. There's some agents who do both. They do contract work and they do marketing. Some agents, it makes sense to do both. If you have like a LeBron James, you don't want to bring in a marketing firm. I know this is outside of football, but you no, don't want to bring mean, a, a marketing firm in because he's just so he's, he's too, uh, what's the word? Lucrative. Um, and the dollars he will bring you off the field may exceed what he makes on, on the court. Uh, so there's like Tom Brady, for example, those big guys, usually their agent handles all their marketing because they don't have to do any solicitation. Everything comes to them. Gotcha. It's really interesting. And, and like I was saying, so the, there are some agencies that have both in house, correct? It, it correct. might be two different people, but it, they're both in the same company, right. whereas other, you know, more frequently, they're completely separate companies. Correct. Um, especially for some of the lower tier guys, you'll find they have a 
marketing agent and they have an agent. Um, for some agents who are with big companies, they have a marketing person who's in charge of different accounts. So for example, CAA, they have so many accounts and then they have this one marketing guy who is responsible for having the athletes pushed on the marketing side to the different accounts that the company owns. It gets, it can get complicated, but at my level, I think we're more a boutique firm. So I would probably have, I would be comfortable having between 10 and 15 athletes that are star athletes or stars in their local cities where we know that there are opportunities to make monies off the field. Um, and it's difficult. Everyone can't be marketed because of the helmet. With football players wearing a helmet, you really don't want to always pick up a defensive guy because they're not the ones scoring touchdowns. So it's just a lot more difficult to market that guy. Corporations really, like when they're looking for talent, they go to a PR firm or a marketing agency and those people choose, okay, we're looking for this type of player, uh, running back, a wide receiver, a quarterback who is from this area or this city, um, who plays in this city um, and has this certain character or profile, et cetera. So you want to make it easy on yourself. You want to choose guys who have great character, plays a skill position preferably. Obviously, you have your outliers like Richard Sherman, Vaughn Miller, et cetera. Um, and you want to also make sure that they're in a good city. So I hate to say it, Cleveland, but that's just not the city you're going to sell guys in. But Boston or New York, those cities are really good. So mean. I know it's terrible, <laughs> but it's true. Nothing is selling in Cleveland. <laughs> you should see me over here. Um, that's amazing. I, you know, I've heard and you and you alluded to this, that it, it is difficult because the guys wear helmets in football. It's not like baseball. It's not like uh, basketball where people are used to seeing the guys without helmets on. Right. So right. a lot of times you can have a football player standing next to you in line and you just think he's a giant human being right. um, at Starbucks. Right. So unless they have a, a specific personality maybe or something like that that puts them in front of a camera without their helmet often right you're you're unlikely to um they're unlikely to be able to capitalize on on basically themselves absolutely Um, and i mean do you have if you make it to the super bowl or the playoffs it's easier if you're a super bowl mvp it's easier we've seen what that's done for von miller Von Miller's always been fashionable and stylish. I remember when he got drafted and they did an exclusive with him on his eyewear. So he's always been into that. But I mean, he blew up right when the Super Bowl happened and he won Super Bowl MVP. So that exposure does a lot for the athlete, but it is very difficult to make it to the Super Bowl. And you don't want to just depend on your athlete making it to the Super Bowl or using the NFL. the NFL like exposure to make them money off the field. They have to kind of bring their own to the table. So they have to have great character, can't be in trouble, um, you know, just involved in the community, just things that people look up to or like about other like celebrities. Um, I have to bring all of that to the table to make themselves more attractive because you're competing against the LeBron James of the world, the Justin Tuckers of the world, uh, the Usain Bolts of the world to secure deals. 
Oh my gosh, poor Usain the other day. I know. I I'm Jamaican too, but that doesn't even count. Let me tell you why. <laughs> he won everything else. So like it doesn't even matter. No biggie. No, I know. I just I, I feel bad for him personally because I can imagine if I had, you know, said to everyone, Hey, this is my last time and then something like that happened. Yeah. You, it there's a lack of closure. I pro- I am assuming on his end, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and with any competitor, if you, I don't know, do any, if anything happens that messes with their final chance to really give it their all. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel bad from him on a personal level there. Um, I was a runner in high school. Uh, okay. yes, I refer to it as my Al Bundy years, you know, <laughs> like, when he would be so proud of that one football game. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I am about my running. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I just, I just feel for the guy. Um, yeah, I but, think, I think he'll be fine though. I mean, it, it was a big race, but it wasn't as big as like the Olympics or, of course. It, you know, the, it, it was worlds, but still, yeah. I mean, um, did you watch any of that? I did not, which is mm. sad, but yeah. When I heard he lost the first race and what was he third or fourth place? I was like, I'm not watching because it <laughs> make me upset that I'm a fan of the sport. So I don't want to ruin it, you know, yeah. and I'm Jamaican. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to stay away from it. So. I am um, my one of my favorite pastimes. And this is going to sound so dorkish and it's fine is I I like to watch marathons on TV. Oh, wow. Um, or like the 5,000 or, or 10,000 whenever um, they're being run, you know, big marathons, not like, you know, I don't know, something around here. But uh, the Boston, I I watch it every year. Um, I'll have it on as I'm doing work. Uh, same That's thing with, awesome. with New York and stuff. Well, I have my favorite runners. So wow. it's one of those weird things. My my first interview for this was with Sally Burgesson, the CEO and founder of Wazelle, wow. the running apparel brand. Yeah. And um, I, I geeked out hard. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. That's crazy. She's probably like, why well, I have fans for real? Like you would you wouldn't think people are the biggest fans of marathons. But funny enough, Russ, you know, Russ, he yes. does marathons. Did you know that? <laughs> Don't so, tell them I told you. Oh, it's on the podcast. Oh, darn. <laughs> uh oh. So, for those listening, we are referencing uh, Rashida's boss. Uh, he's your boss, right? Yes, he's my yeah. boss. Yeah. Uh, Russ Spielman, who is a, an alumnus of the UMass Sport Management Program. Uh, and he started TLA uh, with one other person. Yeah. Well, himself. he had the agency. Um, and then they merged with a baseball agency and a consulting agent. Well, they managed, they merged with TLA. Uh, so it became the legacy agency. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, he's kind of a big deal, but, uh, it, he's hilarious. So that's great. I did not know that. I did see something recently that he, um, he finished something and I was a little, Shocked it might have been it. Battle on the Hill or Battle Up the Hill or something like that. He just yeah. did that in Connecticut. I believe it was in Connecticut. Craziness. Day, so, well, I'm already saying too much. He might kill me. Oh, boy. <laughs> See what happens? I know. <laughs> um, I bet I, I am very grateful to him for uh, introducing you and I. And he's been a, a really big supporter of this since I told him about it. So um, 
he's he's good people and yeah, he awesome. he was really happy to to have me speak with you because you you know you you are still um kind of on the young side of your career with this Very much so. and and it's really interesting to me to speak with people who are just getting started along with people who are CEOs and founders of their own, you know, big running apparel brand. Um, because I think that we all have a different perspective that we can bring to the table. And yours is going to be uh, particularly different because of the fact that you are dealing with these uh, male athletes a lot. It, how, how did you land Devante? Really, I think it's just who I am as a person and how hard I work. I took okay. advantage of an opportunity that uh, there was a door open and I just ran through the door. So basically, uh, when I got to Atlanta and I was doing my internships and trying to figure my life out, which we all do right after college, mm. um, I was at training camp with him and I was just helping him get settled. And so he was like, Hey, Rashida, you know, can I pay you to just help me out with everything and just like be my assistant? I'm like, yeah, that's like, I'll totally do that. That's cool. I can do that. So I did that for four months. And while I was doing that, I was interning at, there were two different uh, sports agencies that I interned with in Atlanta and I was living with my sister. So like I'm struggling like I was struggling in college. (laughs) So in January, after his rookie season, uh, his agency at the time, they weren't doing anything for him on the marketing side. And so I told him I had some experience in marketing and I could help out. And that's really where I, that's how I got my foot in the door. He was totally okay with it because he, he didn't even know there was opportunities off the field. Um, so I just did the best I could. I got him on radio shows. I got him to host club appearances. I did um, event, charity appearances, just anything that I could find that would put his face out there and that he agreed to do. Um, I guess it's the luck of the draw because Going into his second season, um, we just established that I would be his marketing rep, and he had an amazing season. Uh, I was a pro bowler, 1,000-yard rusher. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> so, That's fantastic. Yeah. So I built so many contacts that first offseason that when it came to the second, after the his second season going into the second off season, there were people that I had already built relationships with that I could reach back out to. And I started stretching out even more and reaching out to some real big time local brands and some national brands as well. As immature or premature as it may have been not immature, premature. Um, so, uh, some people responded, some people didn't, but I was getting some good responses from the local uh, Atlanta market. Then we go into the third year and I picked up another guy out of Florida State, Jesus Wilson. So I have him. I have Devontae. Devontae's killing it again. He gets Pro Bowl. Funny enough, they're going to playoffs. So I'm like, OK, like this is next level as well. I'm reaching out to everyone. I'm like on the computer all day finding emails, cold calling, just reaching out to anyone that I can reach out to who is responsible for a brand or an agency that's responsible for a brand, someone who I know 
people share out those dollars. Um, it was really successful, funny enough. Cold calling works maybe <laughs> 10% of the time, but it works. Uh, during that period, though, I was being looked at by two companies um, to bring on. So it was just a hectic time. Uh, we made Devontae quite a bit of money off the field. So they went to the Super Bowl. It sucks they lost because if they won, we'd have killed it even more. But hopefully <laughs> they go back. Um, but it's not just, you know, I want to be clear to anyone who's listening that you don't want to ride on one athlete. You want to ride on your hard work. So I got an opportunity to work with a great athlete, a great star, like someone who has shown me what it's like to put that work in and really be underestimated and no one believe in him. Um, but it's really putting that work in yourself and proving that you just don't need one athlete to make it, that you can work with anyone. And so that's really why I went to the legacy agency. That was because I felt like I wanted to recruit more. I wanted to grow in my field. I wanted to bring on more clients, do more reach out in other cities, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, like I said, it's the luck of the draw that I was able to start with him and we were able to get so far, but you know, there, there, there are levels to this. So I still, obviously, he's still my biggest client, but I've been <laughs> able to pick up three other clients since I've joined the Legacy Agency. So That's fantastic. Um, who have you been able to pick up and anyone interesting that you want to talk about? So actually, it's four. Sorry, I counted wrong. So <laughs> I have Mike Gillisley, uh with the New England Patriots. I have Desmond Trufant with the Atlanta Falcons. I have Hassan Reddick with the Arizona Cardinals, and I have Deion Dawkins with the Buffalo Bills. Um, so I guess I don't know who I would talk about. The <laughs> most difficult guy to push uh, would be Deion because he was offensive lineman. But he kind of reminds me of the Pouncey Twins. He has a huge, like, personality. He'll do anything and he'll, <laughs> if, if there's a camera, like he's going to act out, he's going to show his personality. He's really good at that. So that was my most challenging pickup. And then he got drafted to Buffalo. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry, Buffalo fans. It is what it is. Like they made some trades recently. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how far they're going to make it this year, but um, that pickup isn't the easiest pickup and you know you're not going to get the creme de la creme of athletes all the time you're not going to get the first round pick all the time you're not going to get the biggest star on a, on the team or the starting running back the starting wide receiver all the time really you have to do your own evaluation and see what sells and what doesn't sell and hard work goes a long way so for example with Devontae I always go back to him he was a fourth round pick coming out of college and he was a during his rookie year he had maybe two or three touchdowns 300 yards no one believed that he would ever be a pro bowl back maybe internally with his group of people and his family but if you look at fantasy football, oh so many people picked him up just because he was on the waiver wire he was <laughs> he was in this 16th, 17th round, just hanging out, someone needed to pick him up, you know? So you have to believe in your athletes and you have to believe in their personality and you kind of have to know what sells. So I'm not saying I'm going to be successful at selling Dion, but you know, he's, I'm not going to always pick up the biggest athlete or 
the best wide receiver, the best quarterback, et cetera. But that's the, you know, that's a chance I took to expand my line of work and my resume. I want to say that I've been able to represent various athletes in different positions. Well, and it's a challenge, right? So anytime you're challenging yourself, you're growing, which is good. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some the guys that I adore in sports are the ones that have those personalities who are hams at times, you know, they put the work behind it on the field or on, you know, on the court, but at the same time, you know, having that relatable personality is something that is very marketable. Absolutely. Um, do you play fantasy football? Not really. I tried to get into it last year. Um, but so I did I. It. it was my first year. <laughs> I didn't make it all the way through. Some weeks I forgot to change my guys out that had bye weeks. That's when I knew I didn't know if I could do that every week. I'm going to try this year, though. Um, <laughs> do you guys want to know who my first round pick would be? Yeah. It's not going to be Devontae. Cause he's going to kill it anyways. I'm not going to pick up any of my clients. I think OBJ, I want to be the first one to say it. OBJ is going to have a spectacular season. This is going to be amazing because by the time we, uh, <laughs> we get to releasing this, let me think it's going to be in like mm, five or six weeks. So we'll, we'll have a little bit of an idea about how yeah. well he's doing. That I should think be interesting. he's going to fall. He's going to, if I'm like, I'm hoping I get him because I think he's really, I'm going to keep my eyes on him <laughs> as a fan. I think he's going to do amazing this year. Tell me something you never expected to encounter uh, when you got into this line of work. That's a great question. Um, wow. Uh, I guess I would say. I never expected to encounter a Pro Bowl athlete. I never expected to be at the Super Bowl. I couldn't even think of what that was like. I I couldn't dream of it because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was to represent a client who totally believed in you. It's hard of a time he'll give me sometimes. (laughs) Who Hmm. believed in your ability to market them as this all-star top-tier athlete like I never saw myself doing this that's really cool do you um have there been challenges that you've faced uh whether it be just generally or you know more specifically as a woman absolutely (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um I don't like to look at it as I'm a woman so I'm facing these challenges I and even with race, like I don't look at it that way. I usually look at it as this is just the if when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Sure. So um, you're not going to always get along with your clients, especially if you're good friends with them. Um, <laughs> and people will doubt you, but people doubt me. Because, I think more so because of my age, not because of my gender. Um, marketing is a safe haven for women, I think. And I think that's because it's not, you're not fighting men and runners to secure a guy and be his to all end all. You're just doing the marketing. Um, So it gives you a little bit of room to be you and 
to not be as aggressive. But I think the hardest challenge of it all is growing, really, is you growing as a person because you're tested so much and it is your responsibility to use those experiences and to grow from them as a person, you know, personally and professionally. I think that's, you know, the most difficult thing of just any line of work, really. So not just sports, you know, in any line of work, as a young person coming in, there's so much to learn, so much to see, so much to experience, so much to explore. So you're going to have your difficult times where you're questioning yourself and what you know, what you don't know, what you're experiencing, et cetera. I think that really is probably the most difficult part. What do you do um, on a day-to-day basis to make sure that you are constantly growing and uh, learning new things? I like to look at what other people are doing. Um, If it's not broken, don't fix it. So, and there's another quote I like, don't work hard, work smart. So if (laughs) someone else has done it, learn from them. So I do like a lot of reading, not long reading, but like Twitter is my, one of my best friends. There's so (laughs) much you can learn from Twitter. Think everyone's, if, if you're doing something, it's on Twitter. Um, I've seen what athletes have done. That's where I've gotten a lot of ideas to use for my clients, what agents have done. Um, Just keeping up to, you know, up with the topics that everything that's going on. And now that I'm with TLA, I have, I'm a subscriber to Sports Daily and Sports Business Journal, so I try to read those as much as I can. Just keeping yourself constantly informed, staying on your toes, like there's always something new, always something coming out, someone doing something different, a guy signing a new deal. It's so important to be aware of that because if you know all the deals that were signed in 2017, you could reach out to everyone in 2017 for the deals being signed in 2018. That's how I see it. So if you're keeping up with every deal, every signing, what players are getting involved with, then next year, they'll already have your contact. They'll know you've already reached out. Unfortunately, 2017 was the, wasn't the year, but it may be 2018. So that's kind of how I see it. I think that's great. I, I use some of that advice with the podcast and you know my general job it, for contracts in particular you see a contract clause that you like, you steal it. <laughs> I mean, you know, or, or forms that you like or templates that you like. I mean, we're ever, you know, in the legal field, you're doing that all the time. And then, you know, for the podcast, um, there are some great resources that have, you know, lists of women who have achieved certain things within the sports industry. And, yeah. um, and, you know, the SBJ, SB Daily, you you can see what's going on. I mean, those are my the best things on a day to day basis, I think, are the dailies because you get the, you know, little quick hits and you know what's what's happening. Um I tell students all the time or even professionals who want to get into sports, maybe they want to do like my job, um, that you've got you have to subscribe to those. Yeah. And even if you don't read the print version, I mean the online access and um little news clips you get will will get you through a conversation intelligently absolutely absolutely uh, 
So, I mean, I think that's some really great advice. What about uh, personal growth? I'm big on, well, it's a great question. I have some people in my life who are older than me that guide me. And so I share a lot of my experiences with them and I just do a lot of talking with them. And I think they help me grow and see things. But, you know, life makes you grow whether you like it or not. Sure. Um, so it's really just how you handle the growth and how quickly you can learn from it. So just having people in my life that's been able to guide me and, you know, just push me in the right direction, allow me to make sane decisions. And I say sane because you'll make crazy decisions, not smart ones, crazy ones because of how you feel or if you're in your emotions, you know, just teaching me how to do things professionally. Um, I have some really solid mentors in my life. So that's kind of how I have been able to grow on the personal side and on the professional side. That's fantastic. I think that can be so important. And, uh, and you're right. We, I mean, it doesn't really matter what position you have and in what industry you work in, right? We, we all, every human, um, can, can learn a little restraint when it comes to making decisions based off of emotion. Absolutely. It, it, uh, as I mean, as we see on a daily basis, <laughs> uh, some people can't get their shit together. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean, that's something I've had to learn. I am a, a fairly emotional person and I am learning not to be quite as reactive. So it takes, it takes some time. It doesn't, you know, I think we all have our own little path that we're on and certain things yeah. come quicker to other, to some than others. And I think it's unfair to have to hide your emotions, but I mean, that's just the nature of it. Um, it's best not to take things personal ever, really. Um, and after you're done being emotional and you're out your feelings, what they would say, hmm. you look back and you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said this, done this, etc. So you just want to make sure that when you make decisions, it's not an emotional one. Do you have a particular outlet for when you are feeling high emotions? Uh, a good glass of wine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just talking about it to someone. You know, I like to make sure someone else sees the other side so that I can be corrected immediately. Sure. Um, I think that that's my way of dealing with a lot of my emotions is just, like I said, I have some good mentors in my life. So if I'm yeah, ever great. upset about a situation, I'll just call them, talk to them about the situation. And they're honest enough with me to tell me, okay, you did it the right way or you did not do it the right way. You should do it this way. In those instances where you haven't done it the right way, uh, how do you correct or, you know, what, what approach do you usually take to fix something? That's a great, great question. It's not, there are things that aren't fixable overnight. Um, you can't fix it in 24, 48 hours. It's a process. And so it's really just being aware of your faults or what you struggle with and working on it 
every day. Um, so like for me, if I get upset, I can be really snappy at the mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and so I've just been teaching myself that if I get in that mode to not say a word, to just take it all, like whatever someone's saying or doing to just, I have to deal with it. I can't say anything. And I think that has helped me so much. It's prevented me from getting into situations that, you know, usually I'm looking back like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said this or that. Um, so it's just coming up with different ways to improve yourself. Um, there's no formula for it. There's no right formula. It's, this isn't calculus. It's not going to be perfect, but you're you just mean tr- organic chemistry, chemistry. <laughs> right? So, you know, I was bawling at calculus. I was <laughs> great at it. So I know formulas, <laughs> but you know, life isn't a formula. It's not one plus one equals two. It's not square over X minus five. It's none of that. It's you're figuring this out on your own. And if you're lucky enough to have people around you. So just like, uh, I I was going to, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to agree. I mean, I I think it's great. I also think it's really good for people to hear um, different stories and and how people handle things. Right. Because you, you can learn by hearing what other people have gone through and how they've managed to, um, you know, whatever it is, grow from their weaknesses. Yeah. And it uh, sucks sometimes, but <laughs> I mean, if you're going to grow, if you, if you don't want to be 40 years old with the same issues you had at 20. I know. hear that. <laughs> like yeah. to my soul, I feel that <laughs> there, <laughs> you know, I think from a personal and from a professional standpoint, right. You, uh, you, always want to aspire to be the best version of yourself and that best version of yourself is going to grow over time. Um, and it's really important to allow that growth and, and to lean into the discomfort when you realize that something you're doing isn't right or, um, that you're not doing it the right way. I mean, I, I've, I've gotten spoken to because of my, my Twitter reactions in the past. Yeah. And you know, that's something that I've worked on that I, I'm still to this day working on, <laughs> but it's similar to my reactions. If somebody, if something's happening in front of me and I'm not very good at blank face. So, um, I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. And it's good for people to hear that, you know, we're not perfect and that we all, you know, go through with these little blips at times and, and learn from, um, our mistakes. So, what do you do to get yourself ready for like a big week ahead? Or do you have anything in particular that you do in terms of like self-care or, or routines? Um, not really funny enough. Okay. I always have to have breakfast. I always have to have breakfast and I drink Earl Grey tea every morning. Okay. Um, that's a routine. That's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Earl Grey, and I have to have something in my stomach to start the day. Uh, but usually, I'm I'm pretty regular. I guess is the best way to say it. So as long as I have some tea, something in my stomach. Um, Do you have a particular brand of tea that you like? So I do. Oh, I could tell that this is a <laughs> this is a thing for you. <laughs> There's a tea in Canada called 
Higgins and Burke, I believe, Earl Grey. I cannot find it anywhere in the U.S. I've looked on Amazon, which everyone knows everything's on Amazon. I gone to stores. I can't find it. I went to the Buffalo Bills training camp the other day and funny enough found it. And I took all the tea that they had in the (laughs) family area. Yeah, I admitted it. You know, it's my favorite tea. It is so good. Oh my gosh. And I have one more tea bag left in my bag that I'm going to save for a special day because it's that good. Okay. So when you don't have Higgins and Burke, what is your go-to? Um, there's another tea that I have, um, and I'm going to walk to it right now and tell you the name of it. It is called Stash Earl Grey Black Tea. Okay. Yep. It's really, really good. Really, really good. <laughs> I like that one, too. Yeah, that one you can get in your grocery store, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then for breakfast, what's your, what's your thing? Just like an egg and cheese sandwich. Really. Eggs all the time. I love eggs. I don't know okay. what it is. Um, yeah. Bread. <laughs> um, <laughs> real simple. Cheddar cheese. Some turkey bacon, maybe. Um, I'm Jamaican, so I love plantain. Oh, uh, but yeah, if, I, if, if it was up to me, I'd have an egg and cheese sandwich every morning. But that's what gets you going. That's yeah, good. That's my thing. Breakfast you- and tea. Do you have a um, an evening routine at all? Yeah, always have to take a shower. I know it sounds crazy, no. but some people take showers once a day, twice a day, three times a day. I don't know. I have to take a shower every night to just unwind, feel the hot water on my back, and just like be refreshed. No, that's that's great. Um, I know a lot of people who do that. Yeah, uh, I know people who you know baths are their thing at night and. It helps you get ready to go to sleep, too. Yeah. And just relax. Like, once you're in the hot water, you're like, okay, everything that happened that day, it's like being washed off. Good or bad, it's just refreshing to be under the water and, like, soaking in that heat. Yeah. You know? do, you, um, do you try and get a certain number of hours of sleep every night? So, I'm only 25, but Ugh. I love to sleep. When I can. So I will be in bed at 39 o'clock and get up <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, you we're, we're soul sisters. <laughs> I do enjoy my rest. Um, so usually I'm in bed really early. Like I would say about nine o'clock. I'm probably in the bed. Like okay. in the next half an hour, I'll be in bed. We are yeah. recording this at well, now it's almost 830 at night. for people listening but yeah i'm kind of similar um you know nine hours is my sweet spot but i could for me it's falling asleep has always been a problem and then once i'm asleep i can wake up a hundred times and i'll fall right back to sleep and i could sleep honestly for three days if i didn't have to like (laughs) eat or do you know things in the bathroom like i'm very comfortable sleeping (laughs) yeah me too Um, but i think I, I've started to accept that it's okay um, because a lot of a lot of people tend to uh, wear their lack of sleep as a badge um, you know, of honor. That is you know? true because I've, I'm so happy you said that because I sometimes I ask myself, is this too much rest? <laughs> 
I'm not <laughs> resting too much. But now I feel like I'm not the only one. So no, I'm I mean, keep resting. yeah, for sure. It, you know, there's science out there, obviously. And um, and there's a, this movement towards sleep health or sleep hygiene, I guess. And um, and how, you know, it's restorative for all functions in your body, including your your mind. And um, if if that's what you need, that's what you need. But there are some people who um, proudly proclaim that they only sleep four hours a night. Yeah, that's interesting. To which I say, <laughs> no. Uh, you choose to sleep four hours a night. It, there are some people who have legitimate issues. And I will say, like, that, you know, that's that's problematic. And that's not going to be good for them in the long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's also, you know, from listen, last week. So we're recording this um, the on the 15th of August. And last week is when the podcast um, was launched with the mini episode. At the same time was when we're in full swing of training camp. Um, and there's the, the Hard Knocks uh, premiere. So I'm up earlier than normal, um, out late one night for the premiere. and completely run myself down and this weekend all i did was uh huff 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 the uh puffs vix uh (laughs) kleenex and i'm i love that stuff png call me um and and i have to reset myself and and that'll happen from time to time and um i think being aware of that is really important uh, yeah. There are obviously certain jobs I cannot do because of that. And I'm okay with it. Um, and, you know, as you get older, you'll learn. And the fact that you're only 25 just made me cry a little. That's uh, why I'm sleeping so much. Because I know when I start having kids, if I have kids, it's a whole different story. A whole different game. So Yeah. I don't know how anybody who has children does it. because doesn't. And they all look at me like, why are you sleeping 13 hours a day? You have two cats. Oh, my God. I don't know. My sister tells me the same thing. And I'm like, you want to sleep right now. So what are you talking about? (laughs) Everybody who's listening is like, oh, my God, I just want to be asleep right now, too. (laughs) Um, Do you what do you do uh, outside of work for pleasure? Um, For pleasure, I like to shop. I'm not a shopaholic. I just like to browse online, look at stuff. Um, I love sports. So after work, I can go to a game, any game, baseball, football, basketball, volleyball, it doesn't matter. Um, I like to cook. I like to read novels, but I don't get as much time to do that as I want to. What's the, um, what's the best book you've read recently? Recently. I mean, I'm using recently in quotes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a book I read. Um, it was a three book. It was, I think, three three books. And this was probably early last year. I don't remember the name of it, actually. But I read it in like a week, all three books. It was really good. It was about some girl who married a king. I don't even remember the name of it. 
The last book I remember the name of that I really, <laughs> really enjoyed was Fifty Shades of Grey, all three of them. It's it's good um, brain candy, right? Like, yeah, and brain. literal candy, not, you know, some people use brain candy to mean like, oh, it helps, you know, helps your brain learn more. I'm, I use brain candy as in, like, if I eat a lot of it, my brain will go bad, you know, yeah. but it's like perfect when you want to just not think. Yes. That's the type of books I like. It's, there was actually a book I read the other day, uh, late last year, called Why Men Love Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've, I have seen that come through my Amazon <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> it's a good book. It's really good. It is crazy how you're reading it like, okay, so she, she basically is like, are you the bitch or are you the doormat? And you're reading it like, damn. I might be the doormat and it's sad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good book. I would recommend it for all women. Okay. All right. So we will, uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yes. Uh, for sure. And, um, I know when you are working with the athletes, um, you, your clients, you try and get them in front of different charitable organizations. Um, do you, do you help set them up with finding a cause or an organization that, that will, um, you know, be something that they kind of uh, hold on to? I usually don't get involved with what they decide to get involved in, but I'm very helpful with, and once they decide, just the process of getting them involved in the community, finding organizations that fit with what they're passionate about. Um, I'm very involved in that. Do I do camps. We do Christmas giveaways back yeah. to school and now with sponsors I'm making sure that the sponsors are in or the endorsement deals so corporations are involved on the charity level as well um so some guys are more into it than other guys mm-hmm. um honestly it's so much work I must say it is a lot of work to do to run a charity or a foundation but obviously it's 100% worth it um, so yeah, I, I help them get everything done, but I don't help them choose about the, their passion. Like that's up to them. Sure. Sure. Are there any particular organizations that, um, are close to your heart that you work with or, or that you, um, support? Well, you know, because I do so much charity work with my athletes, I haven't been able to do charity work that I'm passionate about, which is strange. It sucks, actually. It's hard. I mean, especially you're still, like I said, you're still in the beginning stages of of your career. So getting your footing can be difficult. Yeah. Um, But I do a lot. I'm so involved with my guys and what they're doing in the community that I count those as my, my gift to the world, I guess. But, you know, I, what I would like to eventually do is go back to my passion with women and just like young women um, and be an asset or a guide or an advisor, a men- mentor, whatever I can in some way. Cause there, uh, or better asked, who has been that person for you? Oh man, call me out on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Recently in my life, 
So I would say the past three to four years, my sister has really been my backbone. Um, she's just been so helpful with everything and I haven't had to give her a dime, like, which is, she doesn't owe me any of this. Um, but she's old. She's a lot older than me. She's, when I was born, she was 17. So I guess if anyone wants to do the math, they can, but, um, yeah, she's just been amazing in my life the past four years and just really helping me in my adult life. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great to have somebody that close to you. Yeah, it really is. Like I could never pay for it. If a student walked up to you right now and said, tell me the top three things I need to know before I go into a career like yours, what would you tell them? First thing I would tell them is their path is their path. And so they don't have to force anything. They should just go with the flow. Um, the second thing I would tell them is to always work hard, no matter what. You have to work hard. Hard work beats talent or who knows who any day. And if you can prove yourself by the work you do, it'll take you very far in life. The third thing I would tell them is to not let anyone tell them what they cannot do. Um, and if it's something they're passionate about and if it's something that they want to do, they should go after it and they should follow their dreams. Yeah, yeah. If you had to have a superpower, what would it be? I want to read minds, but I think it's going to be in trouble. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I would say read minds, but then I would need to be able to turn it off when I can. Mm. That yeah. would be my superpower. Or be invisible. So I used to think that reading minds, and then I realized I don't, I really don't, I don't, I don't want I don't. It's not my business. I'm learning that other people's thoughts of me is not my business. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I like it that way. Yeah. Um, uh, but invisibility is, uh, could be pretty clutch at times. So clutch. I mean, I think it'd be so clutch. It might be better than reading mine because if I really want to know something, I could just be where that person is at while they're talking shit or whatever they're doing <laughs> and they wouldn't even know it. So, <laughs> so I'd oh, boy. be invisible. Yeah. Are you a sweet or salty girl? Both. Yeah. I'm definitely both. I'm Do you, salty. Are you both at the same time? Yes. So you're like, passive you, aggressive. No, no. I mean, food. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you meant personality. <laughs> no, but that's amazing. <laughs> okay, sweet or salty, I'm sweet. <laughs> We're keeping this in. I don't care. We're keeping it in. <laughs> I thought you meant personality. Sorry. No, but that's amazing. Uh, and I appreciate it. Um, and what is your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert. Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh, is this like picking a child that you like best? Is that I, well, essentially what this is? <laughs> I like ice cream. Okay. I like cake. Um, 
cookies. Okay, so we're gonna have a list here. Uh, right. Okay. Um, I make this tri- like it's the chocolate trifle. It's so good. It's like cake that you put rum in, you bake it, and then you layer it with chocolate pudding, Cool Whip, and Heath bars. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to cook? Uh, wings. Oh, okay. I just started doing lemon pepper too. This is no lemon pepper is new, not the wings. Always been doing wings. <laughs> just started lemon pepper. So delicious. Oh my God. How do you find time to, um, to, you know, feed your soul and, and yourself and cook? Uh, is there, do you prep on weekends? Do you do one of those meal kit things or? Are you just like, uh, I'm in the mood, I'm going to pick it up and cook it tonight? Yeah, that's me. I'm in the mood, I'm going to pick it up and cook it. Because if I'm too tired and I have a set schedule, like, I'm just too tired, I'm going to rest. Or I travel so much. So when I'm home alone and I'm playing music and, like, I'm in the mood, then Mm -hmm. I'll cook. And I cook quite often. It's not that. I probably cook, like, once a week, once or twice a week. Is that often? For some, it's not. But I think. I mean, I think, well, first of all, it's just you, right? So, yeah, it's just me. So you've got leftovers for days if you're doing yeah. it correctly. And yeah. um, I mean, I think that's about right, especially with your travel. What kind of music are you listening to when you're cooking? I like to listen to reggae, rap music. That's my thing, reggae and rap. R&B sometimes. If Drake counts as R&B, that's what I'm listening to. Okay. Um, but yeah. Nice. Uh, if you have guests in town and you want to impress them, what are you cooking? My wings. (laughs) So these wings are a big thing. They're good. Oh my gosh. I tear them up every time. (laughs) I promise you they're so delicious. I mean, Russ is going to have to bring some down for me. I've never made wings for Russ. Don't tell them. I don't know how I feel about making wings for the office. That's putting me on blast. Oh, no. Don't make them for the office. Just give them to Russ to give to me. OK, OK. Yeah, I can yeah. totally do that. Yeah, that's fine. The next time yeah. he's on his way down here. Totally, uh, totally do that. I hope Russ is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share or that you think um, needs to be covered or? Kind of like parting words for um, either women looking to get in the industry or women who are in the industry. So I kind of want to tell everyone um, a story that put things in perspective for me when I was in college. So when I was working in the marketing office in my second year, I reached out to a lady who was an agent. She used to work in the same marketing office as me, um, but she'd re- she began to represent some players. She just finished law school. Um, And I just looked at her online profile. And to me, she was amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly who I want to be. I would love to like intern with her, just learn from her like something. Like I just want her to teach me because who, who she is right now is who I see myself being. And when I reached out to her, she was so mean. She was Mm -hmm. so mean. And she like put me down in the rudest way, like she was like, all you care about is 
getting to know athletes and hanging around them. Like, this isn't even something you want to do. And if you're wasting my time. And I was like, I mean, I never thought I would make it as far as I am or where I'm at today. But at the time I was like, I knew within myself, like, that's not what I was here for. I was here to make a name for myself in the industry even if I didn't know what direction I was going in. I was classy. I respected myself. And so I knew that was enough to take me as far as I wanted to go. So I'm just, I wanted to share that story because, you know, as women, it's so important for us to believe in other women. And even if we don't see the potential in them, then it's important for us to push them so they can see the potential in themselves. Um, so when I, any student I meet, boy or girl, like it is my duty to give them as much advice as I can and push them in the right, the right direction so that they believe in themselves and they think this is something they can do. So I just wanted to share that because you're going to meet people who are nasty, I guess is the best way to say it, but I wouldn't feed into it. I would just make sure that you continue pushing yourself and believing in yourself. And when you have people who approach you that you're not nasty, you're not rude, you know, you treat them with respect and you treat them like they could do something amazing in the industry as well. I'm so sorry that you um, experienced that, but I'm so happy to um, know you and to, to be able to see uh, your career as you continue and and to know that that interaction did not stop you from going after what you wanted and and for maybe giving you the perspective that sometimes people lack so that when people are asking of your time that you're um, you know you're a good ambassador basically yeah yeah so I just wanted to share that. Well, thank you so much for for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, is there any, uh, like, where can people follow you? You can follow me on my Instagram, Rashida Gale. Really simple. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. Um, okay. I'm just and, on Instagram. And you're at TLA Worldwide uh, is the name of the company that you work for. And I am sure we will be seeing you next to Devante or one of your other guys in the near future as great things happen. As I tend to say at the end of these episodes, I just had so much fun speaking with Rashida. I really enjoyed learning about how she got her start in the business. um, And I'm going to keep an eye on her. She is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, She already is, to be honest. I want to thank you all again for listening and give a little reminder that if you haven't already, please make sure you rate and review the podcast through Apple Podcasts or whatever other platform you listen to us on. It is really helpful as it bumps us up in uh, the overall lists and hopefully some new people get to hear us. Always feel free to share the episodes. Um, you can find LTPF on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, RadioInfluence.com, and TuneIn. And you can find me on the Twitterverse 
at Bobby Sue, B-O-B-B-I-S-U-E. The podcast lives on the Twitterverse at LTPF Pod. Our website is ltpfpod.com. And you can find us on Facebook at LTPF Pod. I know that was really shocking to hear. <laughs> um, please send me your comments. Uh, you can email me at ltpfpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and see where you think I can improve or what you think we're doing great. That's always nice to hear too. I want your suggestions and feedback, so please send them. As always, thanks to my guys over at Radio Influence because I have had a crazy couple weeks and they have been phenomenal. So thank you, Jerry and Jason, for all that you do. And I hope to hear from you all soon. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>